to enter the elf tree. Hi there. Hi there, everybody. I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And this is a little bit different than actually not five minutes ago I was said that I was going to open the show. As if we're at a Starbucks. As if we were Starbucks workers. Okay. Hi, there. Welcome to Starbucks. Ian, I'm sorry. As your manager, you got to go. Uh, the little timers are going off. We got to change out the black coffee, and then we got to change it up with some Guatemalan, if that's oh. cool. And then we got to clean out the grades. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. With my tongue this time. Where's my Starbucks? You know, there was a sense of pride that I had when I worked there, because the people that I worked with, I loved. And it was also kind of in the beginning. I mean, this was mid-2000s, so 2004. Before I actually moved to Nashville, I that's when I like severed my ties with working. I was like, cut the head off. The I have to quit this job, yeah. otherwise I'm going to go to Nashville, find a a Starbucks. I would just continue working there whenever I wasn't working, and I wanted to really define who I wanted to be, yeah. and who I was at that time, yeah. and what I was chasing was not working at Starbucks anymore. And so I just had to cut the head off of that snake. And I did. Yeah, yeah. I. But somehow it's still within me, what you're reminding me of. Well, is, just because brainwashing really is a thing and really does work. I is. mean, they, yeah. they did turn you into a company man in terms of you love the Ian. community. Yes, right. You, <laughs> they, exactly. They, they even went one step further and included you in a faux inner circle. I'm part of the bigger picture. You're part of the bigger picture. My eyes are dilated. <laughs> Which, it's one of those things. I mean, you. I learned it when I was doing gymnastics. You know, you learn it when you're in churches. You learn it in families. I mean, it's you're all part of a team, and it's this we, we, we. And so why wouldn't work, you know, corporations like Starbucks and Walmart and things like that, you know, use those terms to try and make somebody feel comfortable in their job? Yeah. And what happens in a family and in a, in a community? You know, you've always got a leader, and every once in a while, that leader's got to come down and you hard. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're a big conglomerate company like Walmart, everything's well, like, always hard. You know, the thing that I noticed working there, <laughs> the thing that made it easy to walk away from that job was the corporatization of it. Like it be, And I understand to get to the level Starbucks got to, or is, they had to make some major, major changes. Watching all the people I worked with all of a sudden start dropping off like flies. Like people were just quitting. The turnover oh, rate began. Oh, I yeah. thought you were meaning like, like. No, no. Like they, they were being, they were being knocked off by, by Starbucks. because By they John were, Voight. They were secretly stealing their ideas and, and trying to start their own mom and pop coffee shops in their <laughs> own hometowns. Mom and poffee shops? Yeah, mom and poffee shops. Oh, speaking of hometown coffee shops, uh, I want to give a quick, <laughs> real quick shout out to Travis Davenport. Travis, I went to high school with. We went to college together. I oh, awesome. actually was tagged on a, a comment. Uh, somebody was asking him on his wall. He listens yeah. to High Dare. So yeah. I was like, holy fuck, man. But hey, I wanted to quickly, he runs a clothing company for longboarding, like 
total badasses, him and his brother. Is but it's a, called is Push ad? Culture. Is no, 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 but for, I do want to shout them out because yeah, they worked. Well, this, this, one's, <laughs> this one's free, Travis Davenport. This one's free okay? for you, motherfucker. Right. No, I fucking love you, dude. And I'm super <laughs> proud of you guys, for real. Like, dude, they went off and did this major modeling for these massive companaines all over the world. They did wow. runway stuff. They're like these gorgeous dudes, like fucking perfect-looking human beings. Adonises. They look like, they look like uh, you know, like if... Chippendales. Uh, if this was an 80s movie and like some high school girls were like putting into the computer like nerds were like we're gonna make the hottest dudes come out of these this computer screen and then they <laughs> scan these like all you know a bunch of like clippings of of different dudes to make up one body and they scan it in yeah yeah and then all of a sudden you just see a bunch of smoke come from the closet and the door opens up these motherfuckers would probably come walking out you know it's like stefan from family matters <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, but they're except with Magic Mike's <laughs> body. Stefan, dude. You know, <laughs> oh shit, I remember Stefan. Stefan Urkel. Jaleel. Jaleel White. Yeah, Jaleel White, dude. And what a fucking great As character in a weird time of comedic history, I would say. I mean, look at his character. The whole early '90s, yeah. like the way comedy was. Go watch some old episodes of America's Home Videos, or oh man, like Step by Step, yeah, Home Improvement, like well, all or these Full shows. House. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see the reboot of Full House because that was the around and about that same time. Yeah, because Kimmy was kind of the nerdy. No one really liked Kimmy on the show. Yes, I, well, that was just and now it's say centered this. around her. The the, the Steve Urkel character, the Screech character from Saved by the Bell, the Kimmy Gibbler character from full house like those were the nerds and those were the characters that are you know cooler characters our uncle jesse's and yeah. dj's and 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 what's what was what's the guy from uh, family matters the he's not theo because that's that's from oh uh, carl show. well but the, carl the winslow son, the son what's oh the, the, uh, the son's Um, you know, they, they kind of looked down on and, and, you know, that was always the punching bag for yeah. the, the cool kid was the nerd. And now we're living in a world where the big bang theory is on like nine seasons. Well, the nerds have won. The nerds have taken over. They are the ones that make decisions to corporatize and grow companies like Starbucks. Not to just linger on that whole thing, but the whole point of even talking about it was it's interesting to watch how the idea of something, because when I worked there, I was stoked to make this company like a lot a, of money. No, no, no. I was stoked <laughs> to do my best there and make an impression on the customers in a positive way. Like I wanted to work hard for the people I was around because yeah. we were as a team. And yeah. so I saw the teamwork aspect of that job, which was so cool. And that's what made the stores so good when you could go into a Starbucks and it was just badass. When all of a sudden things start changing and it happened from the top down where the management started having to make decisions that affected all the partners. Dude, you just watch the bricks one by one. Once once the corporate hammer came down, it yep. was a completely different environment. So by the time I left, I was like, I'm, I was totally ready to get out. They needed the camaraderie of smaller communities and franchises building up the the brand name, and then they exercised some yep. sort of like big daddy contract clause. It's that not about the like, community. It's, no. it's about the growth of the money, it's taking just, that capital and moving it somewhere else. It's just like Walmart. Yep. I mean, Walmart's come in and they are the saviors of towns. And, and those towns, I mean, super Walmarts are, are something that at least I seem to remember coming across in the last 10, 12, 13 yep. years. You know, there was never a super anything up until. Well, there's a Superman. and, and Well, and Superman, there's. Uh, various superheroes. Super Magnum condoms. Super Duper. Super Max Prisons. <laughs> super Max Trojans. Um, That's terrible. But they, they now are very well known for coming in 
stripping a community of all of its like oh, charmy yes. assets and and actual human nature, humanness, uh, and and then abandoning everything. Well, that it's everything's the same. Like you go to any town now that's near any sort of metropolis. Yeah. They're all the same. Yeah. I mean, they all have the chilies. They all have Applebee's. They all have, you know what I mean? And it's, I don't want to say that's a bad thing, but I don't see that as progress. I see it as a way to strip a community of itself yeah. and then to replace those parts with a product. I mean, and then what happens when they leave your town? You're stripped of all your personality and then what? I've seen a lot of small communities crucified and forced out, ma and pa operations that have been in business for years that are out on the street. They just had to close their doors just because of one entity. And it appears that that is their intent to come into a community and force everybody out. Yeah. I'm all for free enterprise, but when you look at, at the big picture, they're the, the people who own the company are the richest people in the world. I'm curious to see how much they'll actually give back to the community. To even use American with, with Walmart in the same sentence, just. Just, I, I don't agree with it all. It's, it's like a Chinese company to me, only with American board members. It's not a mystery. They, they come right out on record and said that they don't buy American. And all it's done is give China a better distribution center, whereas before they would have had to find contacts, who to sell to, and, de and develop their own markets. Now they've got a pipeline right in everybody's living room by going through Walmart. I think the government should have more control. You talk about monopolies. If Walmart's not a monopoly, I don't know what it is. It's become a statistic. The reason that all of these things have become more on our radar and apparent to us now is because they have been going on for the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And we're able to look back on, oh, no, that's what was happening to my town. I very vividly remember my little Garland area when we got our first, like, chilies right next to us and the highway came through and there's, oh, my God, a Blockbuster video right there. And, you know, the Firewheel Mall's right there. We no longer have to drive a half an hour and it's a big old palarva to, to, <laughs> to go to the mall. What's, you know? a, what's a Blockbuster video? Blockbuster, well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For kids out there that are listening to the show that don't know what the hell that is, it's a video store. VHSs. Yeah, go watch Kevin Smith's Clerks. You'll get an idea of what a video store even is. If you don't know, I was reading this article yesterday about um, kids growing up having zero recollection of 9-11. They're in high school now. And that is so tricky like, because... Like no, no present recollection. No present, no lifetime experience yeah. of living in the moment. All they're hearing is the regurgitated storyline of what <laughs> happened. And so they, they have it. Remember when we grew up and we learned about the Gulf War and... We learned sure. about uh, Vietnam. It's that same thing. It's completely disconnected oh, from my no, life. Oh, really? I mean, yes, I remember I remember being something like four or five years old. Maybe I was probably three or four, actually. Um, and the lady who used to, to, to watch me instead of my parents putting us in daycare, her name was Gloria. She was a little white lady. Not old, but I mean, she was probably 10 years older than my parents or something like oh, that. But cool. she was this, this sweet, Shout out Gloria. sweet white lady. You know, she did nanny for probably four different families worth of kids. You know, there were probably like six kids that she would have kind of filtering out throughout the day because they were all like different ages and it was kind of an alternative to daycare, which yeah. I really appreciated. Her son, Ronnie, I remember him when I was three or four years old. Ronnie! Like, he was over in in Iraq for the Gulf War, the first really? Gulf War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess he had, he, his platoon had fallen under a certain attack and they were back and so he was going to be on local news and my dad like taped it and everything so that I could see because he was somebody that I recognized and I guess that was, you know, yeah. early indoctrination techniques by my dad. Well, I mean, he's trying to trying to get me in the uh, in the mindset, in Larry. the soup, in the matrix. So, Larry, 
No, call in, please. Please call in. Defend yourself. <laughs> five, five, five. Big bear. I don't know how many times we're going to call out that number that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I remember my neighbor, though, growing up, he was in the Gulf War. He had all his gear laid out so I could see it all. Everything was just his, his uniform, his helmet, to show you? his boots. I, I think so, unless he was making just some, I just randomly walked in there to see an inventory. He was threatening you without you knowing. Yeah, it. yeah. He's like, look, kid. Well, honestly, this I, is what I got. Here's, here's the thing is I don't know if it was something that was there because he had just gotten back. Yeah. And so he was going through all his gear to make sure... What, he what didn't he had to leave something and, in Afghanistan. Well, they weren't in Afghanistan. Were no, they? they were in Iraq. Iraq. It was an oil war, basically, uh, run by wow. George Bush Sr. I mean, it's the one I do. I do vaguely remember the attitude, like the the feeling around kind of the air. I do remember back then. This was kind of 1990, 1992 when Clinton was elected. Like those are some of like early political memories and stuff. But I didn't. I mean, my first real memories of what the nation's actually experiencing collectively was the 2000 election and then 9/11. Yeah, I guess I'm on kind of the tail end of a generation that actually has a very present present memory of what I was doing and what, how it affected me, uh, you know, uh, an event like that. Yeah. And it's weird to like think back on all that stuff and think of growing up and, and kind of thinking of life in these chunks. Here's what people were doing in the, in the nineties. Here's yeah. what people were doing in the two thousands. If you look at the whole political atmosphere right now, the people who are absolutely always in office or running for positions, yeah. it's so weird to see all this destructive stuff going on around the world. Yeah at the hands of certain ideas. And what happens is you can poke your head in, in these decades of history and see the same active players. Yeah, It's so weird to think, man, I lived through all that time too, but I was not an active player agreeing with any of that. For most of my life, I didn't even know what it was even happening. Right. It's like lifting your head out of the fog, looking down at the board game and going, oh my God, what the hell is this? This is terrible. Like, yeah. what are we doing right now? It makes me wonder, like with people corporatizing and everyone's trying to grow their business. We're trying to grow Elf Tree. We have big ideas with what we're doing, but how do we do it in a way that isn't about going over here, ravaging all of this and then abandoning it, not helping it regrow. This is what I love about camping when you go to public parks is like, leave it better than the way you found it. Yep. yep. Is that the kind of yeah, idea? I, I learned that from the cooks who I think that's a sentiment taught in the Boy Scouts, mm -hmm. things like that. We've fallen under the spell away from nature of, of like the whole idea of, yes, we have this respect for nature, but why don't we have any fucking respect for our own humanity? I mean, if you want to look at it this way, just so very few people can really reap those benefits and yeah. fucking live it up like kings. The difference between just keeping my head buried in work and yep. not looking at looking up at what's going on around me cuz essentially sometimes i wonder like do i even know what's going on around me i can read all these things about politics or read about people in the financial industry doing this and a lot of that information passes through my brain and i just kind of consume it consume it and it shows me that everything that's going on is essentially people at high levels making certain choices that are continuously benefiting concentrated pockets of the population. And yeah. so it's just really interesting to kind of look at history of my life and go, man, when I'm 60, when we're 60 years Four. old, 64, when we're 64 years old, which that'll be the day, man, that'll be crazy. I can't help myself. It's a compulsion. Society. That'll be the day. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> 
we were talking to my neighbor Brent, yeah. and he was like, "Dude, you can't change the world. You can't change the world. It's just too big. It's too yeah. big. It's like the sh- the monster in the shadows that scares me about anything that I'm pursuing. It's like if it is too big, what am I doing then? Why don't I just yeah. escape to the woods?" So I was talking to my brother, and he was talking about the difference between people that he knows and him in terms of he does know he does know quite a few people who are kind of active. They'll sign petitions for stuff, and they they try and keep themselves abreast of and involved in voting for things and and making it their small difference in the world and their yep. contributions and stuff like that. And he was uh, kind of talking about how it's interesting how people have that and they don't understand that he would rather go off into the woods and like start his garden and start cultivating these things and whatnot. And I thought it's because those are the things that matter to them and these are the things that matter to you. The difference being the things that matter to them are them trying to make a difference in the world, in the grind, in the production that's been created by these people who can make an actual sure, difference. Yeah. What my brothers, what he connects to and what he wants to be doing is something that connects him more fully to the earth and to life and to creation and to things that eventually, once those people are like, man, I'm I'm done signing petitions. I'm going to go like retire and go do my own shit. What do they go do? They go and they fucking garden. They go and do yeah. the stuff that my brother is doing. And so he's setting himself up for the future in terms of being a welcoming presence for people, not to like toot our own horn, but <laughs> we're a driving force to like go and cast our nets and bring people in and like send them to places like where Simon's creating, you know, where he wants to buy a hundred acres and put up different earthships and tiny house things and like a creative collective community living on the skirting edge of legality and not raising a whole lot of attention. But that's about it. Not living in this shit anymore. It's almost like people like Simon want to just get out of that cloud. I love cities, dude. I really do. I love the fact that so many people come together to just make stuff in a city. Like that to me is so badass. But at the same time, I value what's well, similar equally. to prodding an ant pile. It's yeah. like all well, these yeah. people. It's it's fascinating to watch it's exactly. people clump together like this. But I don't want to live in an ant pile. I don't want to live in an ant pile. No. Have you never looked in an ant chamber, like down into their colonies? Have you ever yeah, seen no, those? Yeah, I've, I've been shrunken down, like interspace. How fucking cool would that honey, be? Honey, I shrunk the Ian. That's got to be like a maze, like an endless, inescapable maze. Okay, so put yourself in the position of even still us as kids, McDonald's Play Place. You know, those those tubes and shit, or a hamster. Like, you've got to think, same as a house, man. Like, I, I'm willing to bet a hamster kind of gets to know where he's going, just like an ant. An ant when you come eat our fast food, knows. you put your kid in the box. Yeah, exactly. In the tubes, in the yeah. box. It's funny to have had that conversation with my brother and then having a very similar conversation with you and having a very similar conversation with Martin, all within the span of like 24 hours. All three of you went through this kind of oh, kind of burden of your new worldview or your, your active, awakened worldview. It's tough to have to see the world differently than the world is being presented to you, it, you know, because it means you have to to look past a layer that we're not really exercised in the looking under a rock. Back to what you were saying about Simon, this is the paradox of humanity right now is those who can change the world, which is as far as where we're at now in current form, it's a very small number of people that can change the world, but those who can are the furthest away from the bad news. So people right. who see the world for what it is are just, they're stepping out of that cloud. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm afraid of doing is I don't want to abandon the pursuit of endless 
creation. Like people can make anything we want. We could make a city so badass that wasn't built on greed and it wasn't built on insufficient inferior technologies that when's the new ride at the theme park going to be here? You know, it's like everyone's always waiting for that next thing that makes us feel like we're human, like we are progressing, like we are moving forward. Well, because that's what we're told means that we're human and progressing and moving forward is the... The constant, you know, iPhone 7, iPhone 7S, iPhone 8, yeah. you know, like that that kind of mentality. Living in a material world because we're all material girls. A mama girls. material. A mama material <laughs> world. Um, it's, you're you're very right. It's, it's funny that you should say that because on both sides of the scale, the people who can change the world, which in, in the situations the way it is now, it's the 1%. It's, it's the elites. They are the ones that actually make the decisions, have the powers and everything. They could change the world yes. if they chose to. But they are the farthest away from the effects of their decisions and their actions. The reason the world needs to change for the better. It's falling on us. And they are so far removed from us that they, they, they have no reason to want to change it. It would not benefit them to do that. And on the flippity flip, the rest of us, we can overthrow and change all of it. But we are so far removed from even knowing how to access and make a dent in such a monstrosity of a machine. Like, this is the, this is, once the world even awakens and knows how to, to make that kind of a difference, it's like you making your way through Super Mario Brothers for the very first time, having never played Nintendo before, you know, it's still a brand new thing, and you get to your first boss, and you're like, Oh shit! I have no idea how to beat this thing. Yeah. And so you got to practice. You got to go with figure it. it out. You know. Um, that's the difference, though. We don't have twenty lives. That's true. Can't just start over. But we do. But we do. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we've had all of these generations. We have the benefit of a memory chip, and we know we can look back on what ha- what has happened and find the patterns and see. It's it's like finding your place in a book that's being read, you know, aloud. You you walk away, you got to go to the bathroom, you come back, and you you have to listen to what's going on and kind of try and catch up in the book. But once you grab onto it, you're you're latched and in sync again. In. So it's not going to be that difficult for us to change it. We just have to we have to find that place and be like, oh, here's where this this shit went wrong. We got to work on the this. The thing that gets me is the small number of people that run the planet. V one percent. I mean, not even 1%, one-tenth of 1%. The 0.1%. Yes, the 0.1-tenth of the population of the planet. God. They live in castles. They live by jet, by private transportation, by things that we will never fathom in our realities because we didn't win the game. You and I are chasing our own dreams among this, and so we've stumbled upon the destructive pieces of how someone wins the game. Right. And war, just the fact that war exists. I mean, that's just no way. Well, but war is a business. That's, I mean, in addition to the audacity of people wanting to be oppressive and warmongers and and things like that, I mean, it's a business. It is a business. When when you get somebody, anybody, and I believe in the culture that we that we've been raised, everybody has some sort of we're we're bred into a society where you know people have anger issues and it's, you know, it's normal to have anger issues and everybody's going to therapy for something and everybody's taking Valium and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's like this thing that I was telling you, like the, last week there was the, the legal rape rallies that were supposed to be going on, like on Saturday. That's awful. 
this men's rights activist group, this guy put out a, a an APB, but it, like, I mean, you put something out on the internet, regardless of how, how real it's supposed to be or not, you shock somebody, they're going to pick it up. And, and of course, media outlets are going to going to have it spread like wildfire. Everybody's going to post it on their Facebook, all that, you know. I don't know how legitimate any of this is because the guy who who kind of started it, Dariush Valizade, he owns a website called Return of Kings, and it's an MRA website. He's known as Rush V. But he just put this thing out there. It's a, a rally to, to, to drum up support for the legalities of violent taking of women not punishable by law when done off public grounds. I don't know. It's such a bizarre thought to me that there are rallies. There were supposed to be 145 meetups in 43 countries. 165, excuse me, meetups in 43 countries. Are these these real meetups? Are these things real? Like, was this really going to happen? Or was it some article that went out that somebody made up as a joke to see what would happen in the media? That's what, that's what he's saying. Like, after he wrote all of this and the internet picked it up and, and the populace crushed it, regardless of how legitimate it was actually going to be, because we're recording this on Friday the 5th, it is supposed to happen tomorrow, Saturday the 6th, and they've apparently been canceled. He says... I can no longer guarantee the safety or privacy of the men who want to attend on February 6th, especially since most of the meetups cannot be made private in time. While I can't stop men who want to continue meetups in private groups, there will be no official return of the King's meetup. Who are the Kings? It's the website that he got. It's a men's rights activist. So yes, that's that's the the implication. Yes, right. That's what they're saying. Just because somebody shares the, uh, a common private doorframe space, then there is legal right in their mind, that's what they would be kind of pushing for. And I don't know that I agree with that. All it means is that the law then says, yeah, even if he did rape her, he has every right to. If she was in his room, if she was in his house even, he has every right to do anything he wants to her. That makes... No matter how violent it is. But when you're harming some other human entity that is not you, yeah, that seems really dangerous to me. When you have to create a law that protects your right to do whatever you want to somebody else, regardless of their expressed desire to or not to do those things, that's I, I something needs to be reexamined in those in those circumstances. I I mean even even people that go to to you know BDSM parties or or have a, a, a an interaction with those what is people, BDSM like, like how do you what is a, a, the, like bondage it's it's a little bit of a of a uh, a lot um, of leather a lot of a lot of whips you know I mean people people Dungeons. take you know they they have a fascination <laughs> with and and make a connection with with pain like that's that can be an aspect of yeah, it yeah. and and control so it's like food I mean there's Anything. there's all sorts of yeah I mean that's it's all kind of under that category I believe but even that that is an expressed permission kind of thing it's not. Just because you walked in here, anybody's got any right to do whatever they want to do to you. Since the events were canceled, Valiza Day has asked his followers to post personal details of lying reporters who covered the international meetups. In quotes, where did this worldwide mob get the idea that we're meeting to discuss rape tactics? Through the media, he wrote in a forum that is now locked to non-members. Dozens of reporters have now blatantly lied about us being pro-rape and have a rape advocacy platform. They have frothed up a crazy mob that is ready to dox and assault. We must hold journalists fully accountable for their incitement. Ah. So, see, that line right there completely negates most of the legitimacy of this entire situation, yeah. unfortunately, with the exception of it riled people up. It was a media experiment. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. That's genius. And it, it, it worked. There was a group of Toronto boxers were like, yeah, if anybody in our area is coming to these meetups that we, because they posted them, they posted exactly where everybody was going to meet and all the instructions on how to like, you're supposed to walk up to people. Like it would happen like in a Starbucks, eight o'clock to 820. People would go. And if you see somebody you suspect is there for the same thing, you go up and you say, excuse me, do you know where I can find the pet store? And if the if, if it's the same kind of person, you're there for the same thing, the person's supposed to reply, it's right here. And so that's how you'd all meet up. And then 20 minutes later, the person who is like the head of that particular branch's meetup is supposedly supposed to take you to the offsite, like actual meeting where they would do it like that's. But this is all on this guy's website. And so these women said, anybody who shows up at this thing, we are going to beat their ass. Dang. And things like this and everybody's reactions is apparently why he canceled the, the, the meetup. That's the crazy thing about the world we live in is we live in a place where people are believing everything they're reading. And obviously, you know, when we first came across this information, you were asking me, I was like, I have no idea what the hell this is. Like, yeah. Our world is being run by media and being run by just people putting stuff out there in the consciousness of others. And all of a sudden you have to respond, hopefully if you're aware I just wonder when he, because he says on his site, I can no longer guarantee the safety or privacy of the men who want to attend on February 6th. When did anybody think that he could guarantee that? Like, how on earth, how on earth especially if you post online and everybody knows exactly where these men are going to meet and how to, how to access this meeting, how on earth did he think that any of this was going to be able to be safe or private. I don't I don't understand how anybody can legitimately think that the reaction that came out of this was not entirely desired exactly the way it happened. Yeah. And orchestrated that way. This is this is an other side of the pendulum kind of a kind of a moment for me at this moment, but it's that right there makes far more sense to me than he was really going to do this. He had the balls to go and create 165 points of interest yeah, yeah. for all these other people that are ag- not against MRAs, but I mean, not tolerant of hateful yeah. men's groups against women. Like that's not going to happen in the vast majority of, of communities and culture. I mean, Get definitely it. a social experiment is to see how people respond and then to see what you can do to put to get someone to read it on live nightly news. Yeah. All of a sudden you're affecting a whole population into believing something that's not real. It's proved right there. He proved the media will say what they want, and it does create a reaction because a population does not understand how this world works. No. This is amazing exposure. I think that should continue until people are held accountable, media companies especially, that are just taking people's money. They don't give a shit. The fact of the matter is an individual, whether he was serious or not, an individual caused the controlling body of of mentality of social mentality i.e the news and here's us talking about on a podcast he took them and caused them to spread something that caused a unifying well yeah i mean he uh, it was a unifying body of people everybody collectively came together and we were like oh we everybody looked up from what they were doing and they were like oh no 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 this is this is not allowed to go on this will not stand you know this aggression will not stand man it's a it's an interesting time to be alive. <laughs> I mean, it is. I, I mean, hey, this stuff is so insane to think about. It really is. Like, I 
I constantly, and this is, I think, what is hard about being aware of shit. At least being aware enough to say, don't fucking believe everything that you read. Just because I read a story about this thing and I discover that this corporation was corrupt and I get angry about it, I still have to remind myself, dude, you know this is how the world works, so don't get angry about it. Don't let that kind of information continually draw out an emotion you've already been done with. As a recent culture, we're blessed with history. We benefit from the fact that people like our parents were alive in the 50s and 60s and can kind of attest to the state of things even in the last few decades having repeated and repeated and repeated and suddenly it's just kind of like, okay, here we are in a world where we have instant connection. If we if we wanted to, could pay the right amount of money or find the right avenue, we could reach the entire world in the matter of a day and get a collective response on on an issue. We have to do it in uh, clearly a, a very gripping and shocking kind of way. But people can do this. And if we don't tell people the things that we know, nobody will will speak up. It just makes me wonder, having met people who were alive in the 60s during all that revolutionary yeah. American history, it's almost like people become so desensitized by everything that's happened. Everyone's in a state of mental disbelief and just has delved themselves into the fairy tale completely. If you pop your head out of the sand, it is so changeable. Yeah. But it's unchangeable because the people who could change it, who will change it, yeah. have no idea how to, or the fact that they are even the ones that can do it. Yeah. Whenever it's just by chance, I walk into this store and I talk to this person and I feel good from that because they were amazing and they were cool and they taught me something and they made me question everything I was saying because I was feeling a little negative five minutes before. Yeah. It's so, it's those moments where I'm like, oh my God, people are, have so much power. And it's how people collectively use that. And if people are collectively banging their heads against the wall with straitjackets on, no one's going to bust out of the freaking asylum. Yeah, exactly. That's the sound. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's people trying to bust out of the asylum. Did that make any fucking sense whatsoever? Of course, of course it did, dude. I mean, we're all, despite all our rage... We're still rats in a cage. We're still rats in a cage. Yeah. And you know, you know who can make a difference. Here's the thing. The people that can make a difference are our listeners right now. Log on to thoughtformfilm.com and make a difference <laughs> in our plug. Kickstarter campaign. We are currently, as of recording right now, uh, hopefully this will change, but as of right now, we're we're holding at $3 under 23% raised. Yes. Which, you know, we have 11 days. We're like, down to the wire. Well, we're 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 getting there, and until we have seven days, I'm I'm not necessarily going to be worried, and I'm not even going to be worried even when we've got seven minutes. You know, it's 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 going to be okay. Uh, the power of the people, the power of the world. I was telling you earlier that this whole process, like you keep mentioning, the damn marathon. The the marathon is not the Kickstarter campaign; it's the film. And just because the Kickstarter campaign has not reached any sort of close to the, the final numbers yet, doesn't mean that it won't, and it doesn't mean that the film still won't get made, and still won't get made in Mar- in May. This is a battle. This is the battle of the <laughs> Kickstarter. And win or lose, we're going to win the war of the thought force. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. The, the, Maybell, the Maybell Wars. We are going to bring this to the screen. Yes. It is happening. But we do have a large hump to get over. This is our first big challenge is it's a getting to the 100% mark. We, I think we've picked up uh, 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 at least a few listeners. We've had some kind of people filtering in and out. Plus Travis Davenport, right? Yep, yep. You who are listening to this show right now, it's, it's getting down to it. I mean, I think we'll have one more show that we'll record before the end of our campaign. Mm-hmm. So we'll make our final... 
push, but this might be the final push of a show that actually comes out. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. It's a special circumstance. We might have <laughs> we might have a, a little mini show with you, me, and Martin come on before the, yeah. that comes out beforehand because we've got AM After Hours is a radio yes. show that we're going to be on next Thursday. So the day after this episode comes out, go listen to us uh, on on that show. Yeah. So when you're listening tomorrow, we're going to be on AM After Hours. AM After Hours <laughs> at uh, what is it? Seven o'clock Pacific time. Yes. Nine Central. Yeah, so just do a Google search. I don't know the exact web address. Well, for a, uh, americas-most-haunted.com, and you'll see up at the top, there's, you know, America's Most Haunted, and then AM After Hours is going to be the radio show. So if you're listening uh, right now on Thursday, go and, and check that yeah. show out. Nine o'clock Central Time. Badass. It is badass. It's going to be fun, and yeah. and hopefully that, and uh, shout out West of the Rockies. We did the, the yes. interview yesterday with them. Yep. Uh, Genevieve and Frank, you guys are awesome. Yeah, they're so nice, man. It was fun. I love talking to them. I'm sad I had to go to work at that point. I would have loved to to continue to hang out. However, it was actually the right amount of time. I think yeah. we, we had a really good kind of nugget of the day and uh, and the interview talking about the the. I think the four of us would movie. make a great podcast. I think so. I think we should we should absolutely have them on. When a grieving mother finds a way to bring back her dead son, is not all that comes home. Miss <laughs> Mabel was a. Uh, Discovered deceased inside one of the rooms. Her body was found upright in a rocking chair. What's in a figure made of sticks and leaves? Judging from initial reports, Miss Maybell had been dead a matter of months. Based on the unsolved mystery of Olivia Maybell. There were a lot of photos and personal objects on that, and candles and what we call santuarios. You have no power over Leave me alone! Don't I need help! A short film from Elf Tree Media. Thoughtform. Support our Kickstarter campaign now through February 17th at thoughtformfilm.com. Dude, yesterday I was walking by a movie production and they had five 18 wheelers of just gear. They yeah. were uh, packing up. Yeah. And just to see all of the inventory, everything that was out there, I was like, dude, this is a big ass fucking production. Like, yeah. we're, we're going in doing something we're aiming to do just as professionally, visually, story-wise as anybody who has five 18-wheelers of gear, you know, it's it was crazy to see that and be like, man, this it's been very mentally challenging because that's it, trying to figure out how to connect it to people is, and some people are very good at this, social networkers, networkers in general, yeah. doing this project and trying to figure out how to connect ourselves to people. It's a very difficult uh, task. It is. It's Sorry, that's what I meant to say. All that just to say, it's a very difficult task. It's a task. very difficult task. <laughs> <laughs> Pushing your glasses up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's the interacting with people uh, that I can't see or talk to, you know, through Twitter or social media or stuff like that. That's the thing. Those are the things that I don't do very well. Direct communication, like an email, great. I can do I can do emails. I can do phone calls. I can do face to face. Everything like it's it's there's there's a, a challenging aspect of this entire thing to me as well. And the part that's getting me through it and I actually wrote down, I believe it was in an episode of The Office. I'll kind of leave leave you with this sentiment. It's uh, I believe it was Ryan, who's who's kind of a character who's usually discredited a lot on the show for kind of being a, a, a yuppie hipster kind of like upstart, you know, whippersnapper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and a, and a, a screw up, I guess. You know, he's the temp forever a temp. Something he I believe it was him. Something he said was when it comes to your projects, the more you focus on the art, the money will follow. Full disclosure, I might be totally making up the entirety of where I got that context for that, that idea. 
uh, it may not be from the office whatsoever, but I'm just kind of setting it in a world. The point of the matter is I am trying to focus on the film itself once it gets made, knowing that we'll be able to push through this process and find the right people to help us get the things that we don't currently have. You and I don't know how to run uh, and, and, and shoot properly with any sort of cameras. Shelby does. He's And he's very graciously stepped up to to join in in that. We, you know, we're going to have a lot of people that donate things like food and, <laughs> you know, everybody, again, community banding together to make something happen. So we just have to convince the right people. And I know once we meet the right people, I can convince them. Yeah. I know that we can convince them because we're very convincible. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, yeah, I, I, you're right. I mean, I how to get there. I don't know. I mean, you're right. I think it's we are focusing on the art, and that's sometimes the hardest aspect of life in general, which mm. is the most, it's the one trigger that I'm pursuing something that is art to me. Yeah. But I also have to make money. And that's when I start going, why that's, do I got to make money? That's what, and, you sound like Terry Crews from the, uh, the uh, Old Spice Sorry. Or, let's, let's roll that clip. Or Oprah. Why yes. do I have to it's, make money? <laughs> For me, I relate things like that to the, the Apostle Paul. Yeah. Talks about living, <laughs> living in the world but not of it. Yes. And that's that's the the sentiment you're describing right there is you want to live live in the world and do your art. So you you have to be able to find the world that is yours within the world that is the world around you. But you don't have to participate in the world around you. You can do your thing in your own world. And that's what Simon wants to do. That's what you want to yeah. do. That's, that's ultimately what I want to do. For me, it's this freedom. And when I think of that, it is on so many different levels beyond just living in a fun place, fun town, or or just working on my own art. It's beyond my art. It's beyond anything that I can physically do to keep me busy. It's what causes people from not having true freedom. And it's so many interlocking grids and mechanisms and systems and ideologies and everything that's compiled and so tightly wrapped and wired around yeah. everyone's beingness, because we are all born here under a history that we didn't create. We are now having to figure out a way to unwind and peel apart all these fucking tangled branches that don't represent me. I mean, they do to a degree, but like your parents, your mom, she taught you so many amazing things that you're carrying forward. And that's amazing. Like my mother did too. She taught me to chase art and chase what I loved. Yeah. And it's seeing all these different things and going, yes, that is still truth. That's the truth I grabbed. I don't know where I'm going with this other than to say, I think it's difficult (laughs) to just bury my head in my work. Yeah. 100% 100% of the time yeah. and not kind of lift my head out of the sand. I mean, because I, I just, my spirit saying, look, you've learned a lot of amazing things from amazing people, but it hasn't solved what is going on. All those things are within what yeah. is going on. Yeah. What's beyond what is, what is going on? And that's what I'm trying to find. And it's, everything is connected together. And so if we're not thinking as a, as a, as a population that way, we will continue on a course that, seems just like what is going on what like, is why? the point and so it does make me think like yes if there is a small which there is a small concentrated number of people running this thing their best interest is to fix it cuz they are no, looking awfully not. foolish to no, not do it no they're not no they're not because nobody's looking up at them 
I was with you with 98% of everything that you said until that very last bit. I was kind of like, no, it's not in their best interest. Their best interest is their best interest. Well, you're right. Our best saying... interest is for them to not look foolish and do the shit that they're doing, but they don't give two hells about us. Which I was going to say it's fucks. A, it's a... I, I find that as a ignorant flaw in a human being unwilling yes. to reach out and find their compassion, you know, and I know compassion is a relative word that someone can say, well, I'm compassionate because I didn't poison everybody Yeah. or I'm compassionate because, you know, I gave $10 to this person. These guys are compassionate because they're not saying they want to go rape somebody on public property. You know, I mean, that's, that's all of these different words. It's, like you said, un- you're always searching for freedom. It's freedom and all these words kind of have to be relative. And I think that's part of what makes us. It's understanding too. freedom and yeah. understanding your own self-control and how we have to look at each other with equal eyes and solve these problems together. And, and it takes awareness and it's difficult living in this world in 2016. It's very difficult to be awake yeah. and to know exactly what to do other than pursue things that could make a difference, like doing the things that we do, having this podcast, just sharing what we know. I don't really know how to change the world, but I do know how to share this kind of information because it is important to me to at least to remind myself that I'm not going to ever be who I was because that older me had no idea all this other stuff going on. One person kicked the domino over in this, and it just became a world that was like my spirit finally is just drinking from this endless source of information. Yeah. And it's finding that balance of staying happy. I want to meet people that that feel this thing, that feel a higher level of solution making. Like not just, oh, that'll happen in 10 years. We'll sign a law, but it goes into effect in five years. No, it goes into effect right now. It's a mentality. It's yeah, like if it you want to change your world, it happens right the fuck now. Yeah. It's not ten years from now. Oh, you know? dude, let's let's let's, Sorry. Pull let's put on the waves again. Let's, let's I know. Let's close out the show with some waves. Let's. Uh, All right. Yeah. 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 Let's. let's, let's yeah. Let's 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 calm our waves a little bit and uh, and send the audience. Oh man, it's still playing. It's on your phone. It goes for like seven it's hours. So That's great. awesome. All right. So yeah, it's a, an al- it's, it's a it's calm. an app called Alt- Altered States. But oh, it's very sad. Here we go. No, We're, but I want to shout them out. Sorry, everybody. Nice. Our our show has become riddled with ads. First, Travis Davenport, this and <laughs> and now what's the app called again? Uh, Altered States. Altered States. Fuck Altered States. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Because it's it's playing us out. It is nice. Okay. It is nice. But hold uh, on. Let's let's just, let's just sit by the the ocean for just a second before we close. Where do you suppose this is? Fiji. Okay. No, probably like the Gulf of Mexico by outside of Houston. We're in Galveston. All right. So, <laughs> Nasty ass. So like, we're 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 sitting on the beach with Wilcut in in Galveston. <laughs> I accidentally stepped on a needle. Oh, uh, there's a couple jellyfish. There's definitely I've jellyfish. Seen, I've seen some jellyfish wash up on the shore. There's a there's a tire over there, halfway sticking out of the sand. Well, I mean, this is the Gulf of Mexico. And those people over there are barbecuing, definitely eating the fish that they just caught in this in the brown water. Polluted. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. Let's keep it West Coast. Staring off into the sunset. What am I going to do tomorrow? Who do I want to be tomorrow? <laughs> That's the airplane passing. Oh, yeah, LAX. exactly. Yeah. Because we're in California. It's beaches. very loud off the coast of <laughs> yeah. LA. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on High Dare this week. Yes. I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And let's change the world together. Cha 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 changes. We, we gotta, gotta go. go. Hey, Ian! I said a jellyfish! Bang, 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 bang.
on Twitter at Hi Dare Pod. And get your ass online because uh, Hi Dare.com misses you.